0: Welcome
1: to the LaughSpin.com podcast.
2: Hey guys, what's up? It's Dylan from LaughSpin.com and welcome to another episode of the LaughSpin podcast. If you are not a subscriber to the LaughSpin podcast, please consider uh, subscribing. You can go to iTunes and subscribe there, or you could go to Stitcher or the SoundCloud, whatever floats your boat, guys. But you're here now. And for that, I am very appreciative. Thank you for tuning in. Truly, truly, truly. This is a special episode, you guys. This is a recording from my panel discussion at Gilda's Laugh Fest. I was there not too long ago. It was their fifth annual. I've been there all five years. They do an outstanding job. Google Gilda's Laugh Fest and you will see what I'm talking about. So during this 10 day event, I hosted three different panels one on the effects of social media and technology on comedy. One on uh, the benefits of comedy and laughter and your health, because after all, this is a this is a Gilda's Laugh Fest event. So they're all about healing or helping to heal through laughter and giving support and and, and grief counseling and all that good stuff as it relates to uh, cancer victims and their families and their friends. So that's the deal there. But this panel discussion was all about comedy and uh, whether or not it has a higher mission. Does does comedy exist just to make people laugh, or is there something else there? In order to help me uh, explore that, we had a fellow comedy writer, Julie Seba on the panel. We also had comedians Ryan Hamilton, Alingan Mitra, who you may remember from the, the most recent season of Last Comic Standing, and uh, comedian Kyle Grooms. So uh, let's get into it, shall we? Here we go. <laughs> Thanks, to Stu. Stu McAllister! Yeah! Uh, as Stu said, my name is Dylan Godino. I run a website called laughspin.com, which is a, an, an editorial site that covers all things comedy. Uh, so that's why I'm here. This is my fifth year at Gilda's Laugh Fest. I'm honored to be here. I'm uh, very uh, thankful that I'm invited each year. I'm thankful for hosting this panel. This panel, and there's another one after this if you guys wanted to check that one out as well. But this panel is, is, is titled, Does Comedy Have a Mission? In other words, is comedy just there? Does it just exist to make people laugh? Or is there something deeper uh, underneath? Is, is, is there a mission to comedy? So, in order to explore that topic, and I want you guys to think about it too, all right? Because we'll, we'll open things up. Uh, we'll do a little Q&A towards the end, Uh, but to help us explore the question, does comedy have a mission, we have a great panel up here. Uh, All the way, on the other side of the table, it's comedian Ryan Hamilton, ladies and gentlemen. Give Ryan Hamilton. (laughs) He was one of Rolling Stones' top five comics to watch. He's been on Last Comic Standing, Ferguson, uh, Comedy Central, Showtime, all that good stuff. Ryan Hamilton. Thank you. Uh, Kyle Grooms ladies and gentlemen <laughs> Kyle's got two great comedy albums out uh, you should definitely check those out you maybe have recognized I've been surprised at watching my TV seeing Kyle in some uh, national uh, uh, commercials Holiday Inn I think was one T-Mobile yeah, okay. Kyle's Kyle's been around Kyle Grooms ladies and gentlemen we have Alingon Mitra from Last Comic Standing. You, uh, I, 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 he was. You were like the the underdog who came back. You won uh, the Last Comic Standing Comic Comeback Competition. I believe that's that's what it was called. Yep. So you went away, and then for like five weeks in a row, the TV audience, uh, the, the, the TV audience voted you back, so you could perform in the finale of the of the most recent season of Last Comic Standing.
1: That is true. Yeah. Yes. <laughs>
2: And then directly uh, beside me is uh, a very well-respected comedy scribe, Julie Sebaugh. <laughs> Woo! All right. So, let's, let's, let's get into it. Uh, let's start with, with the comedians. Now, you guys are, are, are all established comedians. You guys are professionals at making people laugh. Uh, when you get on stage... Do you feel like you're doing anything other than, than trying to make people laugh? We'll start with Ryan. Uh,
3: no?
4: <laughs> All
3: right. <laughs> I don't, I
4: mean. Panel over.
3: <laughs> Done. I, uh, I, no, I feel like I'm trying to be original and I feel like I'm trying to be authentic and, um, and funny, obviously. Um, but other than that,. Um, I am not, you know, a lot of my topics aren't uh, pushing boundaries or anything like that, so I'm not trying to, but I am trying to do good work, I think, above all, something original and unique that I like, um, so I think that's my main objective most of the time when I get on stage. I mean, there are occasions when, I, when I'll go, this is a, um, a different set, I need to um, um, really, you know, Take a risk here or something, but it's not for me um promoting some an agenda or anything like that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
2: Kyle Grooms, and he wants to like. How do you? How do? Do you feel like you're doing anything other than than just trying to get chuckles out of people?
0: Uh no. Nah, at first, I'm trying to make people laugh. Yeah. You know, I'm not. Yeah. You know, I'm a comedian. But I do, like, I came up listening to hip-hop, like, Public Enemy, so I do try to sneak a little stream of consciousness in some of my work. Not your whole set, but maybe 10% or mix it up, you know? Right. Not trying to change the world, but at least uh, using my stand-up to express some point of view that I have about, you know, society, social issues.
1: Right. Right. Gunn? Yeah, I think... I mean, like the other side, first and foremost, you try to make people laugh, but then I personally enjoy it when I can hit a little bit more than just a laugh. If I can get the audience to think about something in a different way or feel about something in a different way, then I feel like those jokes tend to be more meaningful to me, but definitely there's a lot of material that I do that is just just silly and fun.
2: Right, right. Julie, as somebody who, you know, obviously has been covering comedy for many, many years, is there... Do you feel like stand-up comedy is inherently uh, deeper than, say, music or theater?
4: Uh, Not automatically, no. Um, You know, you're just using different forms, whether it's, you know, music or the stage or, you know, someone else's written words, your own unique written words, and that kind of actually... um, I liked what Ryan said about originality. Um, I definitely would agree that originality and uniqueness uh, would be the primary goal. Um, and then if you can, part of your primary goal and your personality and, and you know your background and the context of where you're from in your life and where you're trying to go, if that includes having a bigger purpose, uh, then so be it. But it's all very, very individual, I would say.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, something that I always... you know we, Today we have... You know, back in the day, there was you know, people like Bill Hicks and George Carlin and Lenny Bruce and all these people that sort of organically... I would like to think organically. I, I don't think they, they, they set out trying to change people's minds or make these really bold political statements. It just came through because that's, that's who they were, like you said. Mm-hmm. Whatever their background is, that's just, that's just who they were. Today... You know we have a lot of we have we have contemporaries we have people like you know maybe they're not necessarily stand-up comedians we have people like john oliver and john stewart and Stephen colbert who continuously i think challenge you know uh, mainstream thought uh and and i think are in a position because they are comedians they're actually allowed to say stuff that you know mainstream broadcasters aren't allowed to say and while I, I, I appreciate that, I, I think it's great that, you know, comedians have the ability to do that. But then every once in a while, and this is, this is a pet peeve, and I wanted to get your guys' uh, opinions on this. Every once in a while, when they get called out on, and Jon Stewart has done this a lot, and I, I love John Stewart, but they'll say, well, you said X, Y, and Z, and then if he's not comfortable kind of defending himself, the fallback answer is always what Oh well i'm a comedian i'm mm-hmm. not a real but i mean that's bullshit isn't it i mean yeah you're a comedian but you're saying things that that have purpose and 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 have meaning so i, I just wanted to try to get the comedian's perspective on you know once once a comedian sort of does start making you know social social commentary or political commentary does, does that comedian have a responsibility to then follow up and, and sort of defend what, they, what they've what they
0: said? I think they have the responsibility to be right about what they're talking about. You know, okay. know what I mean? If you're right, you, know, you don't have to defend that too
4: much. You
3: know?
4: That's hmm. what I think.
3: <laughs> <laughs> or believe that you're right. You know, sometimes there's, you, you don't know... Uh, you know, there's a lot of gray areas, so you have to at least, I see comics attack things that are, and I do this a lot, I'll be on stage, and I'll be really angry about something just inane, and I'll go, why am I so, you know, every joke has to have a target. Yeah. So, um, Um, you know sometimes I feel like I'm traveling around the country ruining hot air ballooning it's like why uh, (laughs) why am I doing this but I think as long as it's something that you're behind and passionate about then that that authenticity comes through and you will want to defend it you know as long as whatever it is I Um, think Yep. I think for especially shows
1: like The Daily Show or John Oliver they've kind of transcended just what maybe happens in a stand-up comedy club because they're really doing research and have facts that they're delivering and it's Mm -hmm. almost like an evidence-based show so they have much more of a responsibility to defend themselves whereas I think in the stand-up comedy club it's not necessarily as rigorous when you're delivering material so some of that you don't have to necessarily defend in the same way that somebody who is doing it on TV and who millions of people are watching to be informed in many cases. Right. that responsibility is a little different.
2: Yeah, that's I mean that's a that's a really great point. I mean I'm thinking of like like a guy like Bill Burr who diffuses who has really great ideas and is right about a lot of things, but still diffuses whatever he's about to say by saying, I'm an idiot, I don't read books, mm-hmm. don't listen to me <laughs> and uh, you know, I obviously I know why he's he's doing that. But at the same time, I wish he would just own it. Like you know, you know you're smart. You know you know you know you know, you know what you're talking about. Like, <laughs> but that goes back to What you what you just said. It's it's I, you're right. There's more there's more of a, a, a forgiveness there because you know the presentation is, is in the moment. Even though you may have you know written this material, and developed this material over six months to a year. It's the presentation is very much uh, in in the moment.
4: And sometimes, I mean, comedians are just improvising and riffing, doing crowd work and trying to find something funny out of that. Like, you know, for example, Hannibal Burris with Bill Cosby. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, he wasn't making a statement. Right. He was, you know, trying to make some jokes and look what came out of that. So, yeah, it always uh, just kind of depends on, uh, yeah, how, how much of it have you actually thought about beforehand that would be worthy <laughs> of defending.
0: I like that people are really paying attention to comedians now. It seems like out of all like the artists like music and everything, comedy's the thing that people are now focusing on because I guess we're the last of the truth tellers you know because nobody else can really that's right say musicians you know they, they have to do what gets air spins right and, you know and we could just say what we feel you know. And,
2: yeah, I and that's we're the last
0: of the people that can do that right now.
2: Yep, exactly, and that's sort
0: of unless where, you're a writer, but who reads? You know, <laughs> <laughs>
3: <That's> great, Julian, <laughs> like you know, awesome. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, and that's that's a, I I totally agree in that, and that's and that's goes back to my original question: is that is comedy just inherently? I feel comedy is inherently a little bit more complex and deeper and also more misunderstood than a lot of uh, other types of art form because you guys can I mean I'm not saying there's not going to be repercussions you know if you say something you know obviously we just had a social media panel uh, you know you could say something on social media you could say something on TV and there, there could be there could be backlash but really I mean you know somebody on CNN cannot say, what you know John Stewart or John Oliver uh, or Bill Maher for that matter, you know, can can say. And uh you know, I feel like comedians are in a uh, you know in in a really cool position, even though maybe the art form isn't always understood properly.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Do you guys feel <laughs> pressure? Do you guys feel pressure to be truth tellers? And 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 and, and, I'm not, and Ryan, like I don't even it's like you don't have to be tackling like huge topics. Like even the observational like stuff that's just funny. Yeah. Like that is, that's part of truth. Right. Like, that's mm-hmm. part of truth.
3: Yeah, I, I I know what you're saying. Sometimes I watch, you know, what's considered an observational comic and you go, oh, well, there's something under that that's very biting and very uh, real. And um, I do try to get to that place. I mean, I will say that I enjoy that, you know, and um, and I think that's really when comedy gets great when you can kind of and maybe people, not everybody, like you said, maybe it's not everybody sees it, but it is it is there um, yeah i uh I don't know, but I do feel some pressure to get to your question, like sometimes I feel like um you know other comics go, well, you're supposed to be you know revealing all of this about yourself and i'm i'm a pretty private person which i battle with sometimes as a comedian yeah because i do feel this kind of um I don't, maybe a responsibility or just a like a pressure uh to kind of divulge all of these things about myself and i don't I, it's very difficult for me you know and um and you shouldn't have to. Yeah, I mean, um, I guess, I, 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 you know, I try to find things that I can talk about <laughs> that, you know, aren't as revealing that do have, that are authentic to me, you know? So, I mean, some great comics you never find anything about, you know? And yeah. others you are completely open books. And yeah. I respect greatly both, both of those approaches. Um, but right now, in this moment, it feels like... Um, there is this kind of value placed on being completely open, and you know, with a podcast and these long-form interviews right. and things like that yeah. happening, I um, I have I go into those sometimes going I don't you know, somet I've never really walked out of one of those interviews going I'm really glad I did that you know what I mean like I've just have never <laughs> felt like for me <laughs> walked out like that was uh, you know. It's interesting, and I'm a fan, but sometimes I find it hard. So I do have that battle, and I'm still figuring it out, you know, where I'm at. And I think artists progress over time, too. You know, you start in a place, and you kind of learn how to do comedy, and you grow, and then maybe at some point, you know, you start talking about things. Like, you watch comics go over this kind of arc, and that happens with them. They progress and grow and change. So sometimes it's a matter of time, I think, too. Yeah.
4: The, the first comedian I thought about uh, under this topic uh, was Brian Regan and you know he's a just a goofy clean really great comic you know if you compare him to someone like Doug Stanhope you know you think you're in two very different realms of comedy but uh, kind of like what Ryan was saying, there can always still be something beneath it. Uh, you know, he'll talk about his experiences, at like what the Butterfly House. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, the, the classic Brian Regan yeah. stuff. And when you really look at it, big picture, it's oh, he, we're all doofuses. Yep. That's yeah. what he's saying, right? You know, we're all we we have these these foibles and, and shortcomings, and and it's it's a uniting factor i think that's what i like most about comedy um even more so than getting huge laughs um, you know i i like comedians and like to write about comedians who have some sort of uniting factor like we're all in this world together Mm. yeah and here's my perspective and maybe we can come together on some points and uh, all in the same room at the same time yeah
2: yeah yeah whether it's overtly like subversive like a doug stanhope who will you know, gladly talk about his herpes, and yeah. you know, or whether it's Brian Regan, who you basically know nothing. He he doesn't talk about his wife. He, you know, he does talk about his kids, but in very general, sort of. You don't you don't know anything about Brian Regan yet. Like Julie said, where he's he's uniting us. He's you know you know underneath it all, he's 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 uniting us, whether it's overt or not, and. uh, I think that's you know that that's what good comedy does i'll listen to you know a doug stanhope or a mark marin or a, a bobby kelly and and think i really find comfort in this because you know i know that i'm not you know other people are pieces of shit. like like all you know and, and that makes me feel it makes me laugh and it makes me feel like i'm 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 part of something bigger and I get the same feeling, you know, when I listen to, you know, Jim Gaffigan or Brian mm-hmm. Regan. And Jim Gaffigan, again, very clean. Um, you know, you, you, you do. He is he is much more, you know, autobiographical than than Brian Regan. Uh, but you know, his bits on food and McDonald's, his McDonald's bit, you know, is pretty. While he doesn't curse or do anything, it's it's sort of subversive because. You know, his whole, you know, refrain, everything's McDonald's. It's 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 social commentary. Yeah. But yeah. you would never know it. You leave right. that and you're like, he just did like a nice 10-minute social commentary. <laughs> bit. But you, you had no idea because you're just laughing at like, yeah. the jokes.
4: It's the, uh, the taking the medicine with the honey. Yes.
2: yes. Yeah. Got to sneak it in there. Yeah. Got to sneak it in there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean... It's, it's any thoughts, by the way. If, if you guys want to you raise your hand and, and ask questions while we, we go along, we could, we could do that. Or if you have any comments, we can do that. I'm, I'm, yes, sir. Do you y'all know, feel that comedians have had to take on more of a role of making a point with their comedy because other institutions have kind of broken down? Like That's the. That. Or like newspapers. Like they don't,
1: nothing, they don't do things seriously anymore. Mm.
4: That's an interesting question. Mm. Do you, do you? Yeah, I'd be curious to know that too. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, do comics have more of a responsibility uh, because it seems that mainstream news outlets are getting crappier I, and crappier at what they do. But I think
0: the battle is w- with that. Is like you don't want to be you don't want to ruffle feathers sometimes even because I think like sometimes you want to be Dick Gregory but with Kevin Hart's success. So it's like, <laughs> it's like <laughs> um, yeah, I guess, I don't know. If comics, I don't know.
3: Maybe, you know, maybe that's why we are, comics are getting more of that attention that you talked about earlier, Kyle, because there is that kind of gap now that's just been, you know, created in our culture. So it's like. I just brought it up because of a show like The Daily Show, mm-hmm. whereas,
2: yeah, yeah right, learning right, the right. news from, from yeah, comedy I mean that, that's yeah. where I start I'll yeah. see something I'll watch a clip and I'll then I'll google it and then try to read it in the New York Times if I could get through there 45 yeah I guess it's getting feet. news and
0: not being boring you know what I mean Jesus. <laughs> it's
2: like Oof. if the news were a
1: cartoon I guess you know what I mean I'm like this I is think,
3: making comedy <laughs> feel like a real job
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think people would turn to like the Daily Show or John Oliver Show but I don't think yet anybody is going to go to a comedy club and be like oh i haven't seen the news so let me go watch yeah. the show <laughs> right. so i don't yeah, that too. Yeah. i don't think like stand-ups or at least personally i don't feel it necessary for or that pressure to deliver the news or something like that um, because other outlets aren't anymore but i do think those shows do fill that void yeah, because you don't want to... Like, some people want to go
0: to a comedy club. They're, like, with their date, with their girl. They just want to get laid and get drunk. Sometimes they don't really want to, like, hear serious shit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Unless you're a fan of that specific comic and you know that's what you're going to get. But for the most part, you know, they're like, hey, man, you're fucking up my vibe. <laughs> <laughs> it's <was> real shit. <laughs> Yeah, I like to do once in a while. I mean, that
2: that <laughs> is that is the twist too. Like, if if you are a comedian that has a lot of strong opinions, you also have to be that much more talented that you can sort of, you know, make make points and also be funny. Because there there are some comedians out there that are more like spoken word artists than they are comedians. Mm-hmm. Because it's like statement, 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 tiny laugh, statement, 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 and you know, that's you're
0: gonna. When did we become a nation of people who was <laughs> like, hey, come on, man?
3: <laughs>
4: and that part reminds me of like Jamie Kilstein, for example. Oh, I,
2: was. I wasn't <laughs> even thinking of him when I was saying that.
4: Like, I don't know how many people are familiar with Jamie Kilstein, but. Uh, um, Yeah, very fast-paced, making a lot of points, should be on a soapbox, but since you don't really get paid for standing on a soapbox, I guess, you know, uh, going the comedy route, and uh, he definitely makes you think, for sure. Maybe not as many laughs per minute, uh, because you're still trying to take it all in, uh, but it just kind of proves on the more that how much, you know, can kind of all fall under this comedy umbrella.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and... uh As you were describing Jamie was you know, if you listen to Lenny Bruce, who's considered like, you know, an icon. I mean, I find it very difficult to listen to Lenny Bruce. (laughs) Like you talk about not a lot of laughs per minute. I feel like you need you need to like read a history book uh, about what was happening around the time of him doing comedy, and then listen to it because I don't I don't get it. I mean, I don't get it. So there's you know there's danger. There's danger in being, you know, too wrapped up in uh, this whole idea of, of comedy being, you know, a deeper uh, a, a deeper art form. There's you got to find balance. Does anybody else have questions?
3: I know. I mean, the earlier panel was about social media, so I don't know if you are really doing material at all, on like, Twitter or Facebook or whatever. But do you find like if you are trying to get more like the meat of something or something with more meaning to you specifically? Do you find that you get more like backlash
2: from it, or do you think you get more like, "Oh, this guy's onto something"? It's an interesting
3: question. Hmm. I mean, I'm not the right person to ask I, that. Yeah, uh, that. I'm not great I'm not on. So- so. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I, <laughs> I do. I talk about on stage how comedy is difficult because this really happened to me. This this club manager said, "You got to go talk to these people." And I go out, and there's this couple, and they they're cold, and they don't like me. And they go, we're hot air balloonists. And they were deeply (laughs) offended. Oh, my I, And and to me, it's like an example of, like, this is how difficult comedy is. If I can't talk about that, you know, what are we going to talk about? So it's like I say, um, you know, uh, it's like uh, um, there's – there's no there's no way that I can talk about anything else, you know? I can't... <laughs> what am I going to do with that? So um, I'm trying to remember how the rest of the... Oh, the first thought I had after I listened to them, this was the first... I, I, I realized that uh, I have finally become the edgy, boundary-pushing guy <laughs> that I have always wanted to be, you know? Like, I'm really pushing some buttons now, and that that kind of felt good, but it's also completely ridiculous. I mean, that has nothing to do with social media, but that's just why I'm not the right person to ask that question. So I don't know if there's someone else who is better at that. I'm not yeah. good at social media anyway, so that's part of the, the problem, but um, I think when I put something out there... Um, Generally, I'm not trying to do, you know, I'm not trying to be real subversive in social media posts, and so I don't find a lot of backlash. Yeah, and especially on places like Twitter where you're limited, you can't really
1: do any sort of nuance, right, or have any sort of debate seriously, I, I try and stay away from the jokes on Twitter for me are generally very, like, frivolous but the jokes that I'll try and do on a stage will be a little bit more, I guess, meaningful or something because you can think out an idea more.
3: Are are you finding them more of an audience then for what you are trying to say?
1: Amongst the... The
2: the people who are coming out to see you. Oh. He's
1: going to talk about, and
2: this is
1: what I like. Uh, No, but I think that's probably because I still haven't developed that material enough yet, yeah.
2: I think somebody else had (laughs) their... Hand up, yes, yeah. The satirists at uh, Charlie Hebdo were trying to make a comical um, statement of events in the world, and
4: we all know what the result of that particular situation was. I don't know if, and thank God, we live here in this country where our boundaries, I think, are much harder than maybe some in international worlds. But I don't know if you've had any incidents you talked about that couple
2: not liking what you said about to on the but. You know, when you think about uh, the danger of some comics and how far they go with what they're trying to say—if it's really making a statement or, or truly offending people—yeah, I, 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 feel like that that has so much to do with, you know, the disconnect between certain people that watch comedy and don't understand that comedy is multi-layered. Uh, and it's entertainment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, for instance, you know, uh, Jim Jeffries, you know, uh, performed uh, two days ago here at the festival, and you know, he went into the crowd, and he, you know, he makes fun of people, but it's all like if you don't understand who Jim Jeffries is, and you know, he he talked to a guy in a wheelchair for like three minutes, like sort of poking fun at him, but like if you don't know the, if you don't know the context of Jim Jeffries, if you don't know that, you know, he's not an evil person, you're going to turn on him. Uh, and I think that's I think that's a problem. I think there's more of a responsibility these days for an audience member at a comedy show to sort of research just a little bit, like, to who they're going to see, uh, you know, know that Jim Jefferies had a show that starred a guy in a wheelchair, and that, you know, some of the, you know... Uh, the disabled population actually enjoyed the show because it normalized people in wheelchairs and and know that he wasn't picking on that guy in a wheelchair because he's an asshole, but because he sees that person as a person and not a guy in a wheelchair. Uh, and that's just that's just one example. So uh, the Charlie Hebdo thing, I mean, that's that's a very very extreme uh, example. But I, I think I think part of the problem is that. He, de- despite <laughs> the fact that stand-up comedy has been around for so many years, com- compared to other art forms, it's still relatively new and I feel like audiences still don't really understand how in general how to kind of properly you know take it all in and uh, you know comedy is is a very subjective thing and Sometimes it it, it, see, it it's real and you know, you know. I, I don't know where I'm going with this, but uh, the yeah. point the point is is I think I, I think yes, it, there there's danger in it, but god damn it, like the audience needs to you know have some some responsibility too. One, you know? uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I mean, I guess he did. Yeah, I mean. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I am no. not going to. defend him. I mean, part
4: of that was, you know, had to do with social media too, because yeah. there was a camera there, yeah. uh, or otherwise, you know, obviously no one would have known. But I agree with you know what Dylan's saying and having responsibility in researching what live setting, what context you're going to be putting yourself in and paying money for, and I think it also applies online again with the social media, uh, to where you know if, if uh, you know Michael Che for example yeah. had had a little bump in the what was it uh, the catcalling video right. scandal, yeah. um, where. You know, people just take a little six line phrase or something on the internet and just run with it, and bloggers and tweeting and, and just jumping on it without really understanding anything about the person behind a joke.
3: Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it's like being a politician, saying thing. You take that little. Nah, fuck that. You guys are hanging out there big time by what you say and saying <laughs> on social media that your lives are kind of in the balance. If you just the wrong way, bang, you know. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's how they read it, not how you say it, really, sometimes. Like, it's crazy. Yeah,
4: mm-hmm.
2: I think I saw a hand up here. Yes, sir? Um, About a couple months ago, I, I, my, I got one of the biggest compliments I
3: probably will ever get. A lady came up to me after the show, and she says, you know, your comedy was, this, was as if you were looking in our living room window as we were raising our
4: hand.
3: Mm-hmm. And I, I will always remember that. So my
4: question is, and that really meant a lot to me, if, I, if you don't mind, I came in late. I hope I didn't, if you already did this, could I ask what each of you, your biggest compliment, and then also maybe your biggest negative after a show or performance?
3: <laughs> huh. Um, well, I always like uh, this compliment. I, you know, I kind of get labeled as a clean comedian. I don't really put that on me myself, and but it just happens. People get, eventually you do comedy long enough, and you're going to get stuck in an area. And, um... I like when people come up to me, and there'll be a group of people, and everybody. That was great. We really enjoyed this, and someone will say that was clean, and everybody else will go, No, it wasn't. And then they go, It was. I love that moment because that makes me feel like I'm doing some real comedy, you know, because it's like they can't the fact that they can't believe it. Like they're like, Oh, I liked it, but no, so it wasn't. But oh, I liked it, you know. So that's one of my favorite things to hear. Negatives, I just forget them. I don't know. I don't. Uh, I, I'm trying. I'll, I, I may, you may have to come back to me on that. I don't know. But um, there's been plenty. Sure. There's been a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you got to have a thick skin. Yeah. Kyle,
2: you have any, you want to? Uh, positives,
0: anytime someone just says you were good. I like when the hood dudes come up and be like, yo, you real with it. That's kind of. <laughs> you a beast with it, my nigga. You know, I like that type of shit. But, uh. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite, too. Yeah, yeah. You, you,
1: yeah.
3: <laughs>
0: you know, that shit will real like that. I like that. But, um, in negatives, I, I, for negative for me, I'll do an hour worth of stuff that I think is personal and telling stories about my life. And then after my show, someone will go, "Oh, your Obama was great." I'm uh, like, "What about what about me, motherfucker?" <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll do one Obama impression, and that's what they remember, and not my my. You do have a good Obama impression. Thanks, though. man. <laughs> 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 they don't care about
1: my life. All right,
0: yeah, that's yeah. it's not a negative, that? but it's yeah,
1: yeah, in compliment. Hmm, I don't I don't really know. Like, I guess if people just. Appreciate I, I I don't know explicitly what somebody could say that would really make me feel great, but if people are just like, oh, that was really fun, like, I don't know. But uh, negatives, are the same sort of thing where if you get like pigeonholed, if somebody's just like, oh, yeah, I really like that Indian stuff, you're like ah, was, <laughs> the Indian there's a there was like that was like ten percent, then there's so yeah. much other stuff. It's, you become like one dimensional to them. That's yeah. something that gets frustrating.
4: But again, it's like if that's the entry point. To what they first latch on to, and then they start listening to your other stuff, and and you know start uh, absorbing that you know subversive or overall message, then you know mission s- achieved. Thank you.
2: <laughs> Thanks for making it better. Yeah, so Obama might be your entry point. Yeah. Uh, like, no, oh, no, I'm no. listening. <laughs> yeah.
4: I don't know. No, Kyle
2: has something else. Got to work say. on my Hillary Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> Julie, what's your favorite compliment about your writing?
4: Oh uh
2: just when you wasn't yeah I wasn't
4: expecting nah, to it's... be a part of this one um I mean I've had a lot of comedians uh, tell me that I that I get it that I uh, you know understand you know their their unique career path because um, I see you know four or five shows a week and it's all I write about at this point um negative I did have um uh, back when I was uh, first starting out I was uh writing for paper in st louis and a local comedian in st louis uh wrote in about a feature story i did on another comedian and uh uh, the the comedian who was not the subject of the feature um, said let's see if i can get this right um she hopes my entire family dies and feels sorry for anything that has ever been in my mouth. That was a fun one. Oh, Jesus. Um, oh, no. oh well, I did get hate mail from Dane Cook once, but it was, that was pretty minor. I think
2: we've all. That was um, all, yeah. I think
0: that too. Where's this comedian now? <laughs>
4: I uh, believe San Francisco. She uh, is, on is, is no. part of a company <laughs> that you all might know of, so I'm gonna not go any further than that.
0: Oh. No more
2: stand-up. Okay, so I know who no. you're talking about. Then. I
4: think she's still doing stand-up. Yeah, she is. I'm? Yep. yeah.
2: Yep. Uh, any other questions before I, we?
1: I did actually. I, I realized a, a better answer to your yeah, compliment go question. For it. Uh, so I had done a joke this was in Boston a little bit after uh, the Boston Marathon bombings and it was about the bombings and um, it w- you know it was it, it went over well. while and somebody was there who came up to me afterwards was like oh I was one of the first responders there I really liked that joke and you know you made me be able to laugh at that incident um, so that was good because that was like you know relieving something that was otherwise very serious I thought I one <laughs>
3: <laughs> I was uh, uh, sitting at the uh, comedy store. I hope I can remember who the other comedians were. And I think it was Jermaine Fowler and Pete Davidson and me. And we had all seen this gorgeous woman on the front row. And we she was strikingly beautiful. You couldn't miss her. And we were upstairs, and everybody said, You saw that, right? Yeah, yeah. She comes upstairs, she comes to the table, and she goes to Jermaine. Uh, well, she goes to Pete you made me laugh she goes to Jermaine she said you made me want to get your number and she said to me you made me think about my mom and uh, I just realized that my life was over at that moment
2: (laughs) what does that even mean did she explain or did she just vanish
3: no she just I didn't I kind of went away I mean I was destroyed uh yeah yeah
1: yeah All right. That's,
3: that's um, I don't know what she meant, but obviously I can't let it go. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: Anything else? One more comment? Question? I, I had a comment if you months. Yeah, Kyle,
0: it's go. about um, having stuff with a message. I performed in Wilmington, North Carolina, and I don't know if you know the history of Wilmington. It was like it was a city that they elected a, a white mayor with a multicultural. It was like the city. It was like as if Obama was in the eighteen nineties or some shit, right? Mm-hmm. But what they did is they took the town by force. Like, ex-Civil War veterans came, they got their Gatlin guns, killed all the black progress, and just set up a flag for white supremacy, you know? And I told that story in Wilmington when I was performing there. It was like during Christmas time, and I said, Merry Christmas, everybody, and they were like... But a lot of people didn't know that history of even how that town got started. And yeah. a lot of people after the show was like, damn, I'm gonna look that up, you know? because That's seriously part of our... That's how this whole shit... In a, a bunch of other southern towns, after that started doing the same thing, rioting and just taking the town from these, you know, from the blacks and shit. But yeah. You know, I was able to say that on stage, and that made me feel good. And I wish I could do more of that, right? And still be funny. <laughs> <laughs> but it, you know, as long as you make it funny, I think people will be like, "Oh, okay. yeah. yeah, yeah,
3: thank you." That's great. That's a great story. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yes.
0: Yeah, I think you have to you have to communicate. It's like your communication to the people you're talking to. Like if I want to tell a dark story about how a town was fucking you know wiped out, you ca- you still have to be fun. Like you know, lead with that funny carrot and make the story palatable. You know, like it's like okay, I can eat this instead of just you making my fuckin' feel like damn I <laughs> can't, but you it's like I had a history teacher once that was great at making history sound fun, you know, and that's kind of what I you know, I try to do.
1: Yeah, and I think as a as a comic, like if you're able to convey that information as condensely as possible, so that the joke is longer than the information, that's when you're able to really, you know, continue hitting those without being too wordy or becoming that comedian that's just more of a spoken word guy
2: anybody else before we wrap up if not <laughs> oh,
3: uh-oh.
0: I can't believe this jackass asked me that question. Uh,
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you son of a bitch alright thank you so much thank you
2: uh, the panel a round of applause thank you guys for coming out and there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you to Gilda's Laugh Fest. Thank you to Julie Seba, Alingan Mitra, Ryan Hamilton, and Kyle Grooms for taking part in the panel. We will see you next week. Bye.